It is my joy to introduce to you this morning the Reverend Mike Mickey. Mike is the church planting officer for the Episcopal Church on the staff of the presiding bishop, Michael Curry. Mike hails from Dallas. Mike was our preacher at diocesan convention. And uh, no, no, he actually did, he did a rousing job, I should say. <laughs> and so it's an honor to have him with and preach with us and to us this morning. So I urge you to offer your attention to him and let us pray for him together. Thank you. Gracious Lord, we do thank you for Mike, for the passion that you've given him for the gospel, for his desire for all people to come to know you as Savior and Lord. So pour out your grace upon him and upon us that we might hear that which you desire and that you might impart it to Mike. So for all of this, O oh Lord, and for what you will do, we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. So for it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a privilege and a pleasure it is for me to be with you this morning. Uh, my thanks to your bishop, Bishop Brewer. I hope you know that you're blessed. Did you know that? To have a bishop like this man. Uh, you're blessed that you have such an incredible staff here at the cathedral. Have you noticed this? Like, I know, yes, go ahead, please. Wow. I mean, um, uh, some of you that are a little older like me may remember the original dream team for the Olympics with all the NBA players that had like Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Charles Barkley and everybody all on, all on the same team and they were like playing Somalia and stuff. Remember the dream team? Your staff, look at them up there. It's kind of like the dream team. You're blessed. I want to send you uh, greetings from Bishop Curry, uh, our presiding bishop. And um, like Bishop Brewer said, I am the staff officer for church planting infrastructure. Ooh. Wow. Aren't you impressed? Uh, and it's such a blessing for me, the church planting guy, to be in a place like this. Wow. Because... All over the Episcopal Church, from uh, we have a church plant in Montpellier, France. Did you know if you're a French Anglican, you're an Episcopalian? Uh, all the way to the West Coast, uh, there are new churches being started, and they are worshiping in today in elementary schools, in gymnasiums, in daycare centers, in living rooms, in movie theaters, and yes, even a funeral home this morning. What a great place to preach on the resurrection of the dead, don't you think? Uh, we have churches that are, thank you, there are churches that are, uh, are starting uh, on farms outside in restaurants and in coffee shops. Uh, I enjoyed being in your narthex on my way in and just before the procession, and I invite you to take a tour of your narthex. I don't know how long it's been since you've done that. But in your narthex, you have a kind of a, 
a hanging history of your cathedral. Uh, and there's a window here um, that honors Francis Epps. Do you know who Francis Epps is? Yes. Good. Started your church, St. Luke's, in his home in 1869, just like I started my church in my home in, uh, that I planted in McKinney in 2005. See, friends, everything gets started somewhere by somebody. And what we sit in today in this magnificent place got its start in Francis Epps' house. Today is annual meeting day. Gee, you know, I have something to do right after church. So anyway, today's annual meeting day, and I want to thank you for coming. Uh, It reminds me of a story I heard from Bishop Curry one time about uh, the B group in church. And the people who show up for the annual meeting are the B group. Do you know what the B group is? Here's what the B group is. It's a, 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 an installation and a cathedral of the new dean. And uh, there's the line on the way out at the door, and the new dean is greeting everyone in, the, in, in his new congregation. And a man comes up to the new dean of the cathedral and says, Welcome, dean. Uh, I want you to know that I'm in the B group. And the dean goes, well, that's lovely. I, what is the B group? And the guy goes, I'll be here before you're here, I'll be here while you're here, and I'll be here after you're gone. <laughs> so you people who either go to 8 or the 1030 that come to the 9 for the annual meeting, you know it's coming next. You are the? Yes. You are the givers, the leaders, the servers of St. Luke's. There's a temptation in a church as magnificent as this, with a staff as talented as this is, with an organ as brilliant as that is, and a choir as, as magnificent as they are, for you as members to sit back and relax and just enjoy this and take it all in. You can say, you know, Dean Kidd and crew, they have this. I can just relax and be blessed. Reminds me of uh, your soccer team, Orlando City SC. They had about an average attendance, pretty good, about 25,000 people. And church is a lot, a, a lot like an Orlando SC football match. There are 25,000 people desperately in need of exercising, watching 22 people who desperately need to relax. <laughs> this is church. Us watching them. They need to rest, but, and we need to work. Listen, I've come by here this morning to ask you this. I want you to get off the bench and into the game. And you have a great opportunity to do just that coming up. I was reading in your bulletin about the 2026 initiative. Did you see that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Say yes, right? That's an opportunity for you to decide this morning to be a part of that process, to get off the bench and into the game. There are existing ministries here for you to plug into. But guess what? As a church planner, I want to say there's ministries that you can start yourself on behalf of this church, and you have a supportive staff that will help you. Submit your idea to them and say, hey, you know what? I have a heart for this. Could we start that? What new thing could be started? Could there be a plaque somewhere hanging with your name on it here? Did you know that's possible for you? In our gospel reading today, we see Jesus getting started. 
It's right there at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and I invite you to take out your little uh, uh, insert with it and look at it with me. Uh, here we are in the middle of the season of Epiphany. Jesus has born, baptized, tempted, and now he's getting started in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And what he does really should inspire us, I think. Let's look at the very beginning of this, shall we? And I want to challenge you this morning with these two things, word and deed. First, word. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and, when, and listen to this. When the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? Friends, I know I'm literally preaching to the choir right now, but I want to challenge you and encourage you. Listen to me. Go to church. When Sabbath comes, what do you do? You enter the synagogue. You go to church. Jesus did this, and so can you. Have you noticed that our culture goes to church a lot less than it used to? You notice with each passing generation, the, the expectation to go to church lessons. But here's another thing. We can, as church members, kind of judge that and say, isn't that terrible? But here's another thing I'm watching. Church folks go to church less than they used to. For some reason now, it's like okay to be, I'm an active member of St. Luke's, but you go once a month. Listen, that golf ball, that soccer ball, that New York Times crossword puzzle, whatever it is that you're doing on Sunday morning, listen to me, that will not be there to comfort you when you're lost or alone or hurting. You're going to need the Word of the Lord to come and be in your heart. Uh, I, I implore you, beloved, to make a priority this year to take this 60 minutes a week, or when I'm preaching more like, you know, maybe 95 minutes a week, to be fed by the Word and be fed by the sacrament. Jesus, what is He does? He teaches, elevate, beloved, the place of the Word of God at St. Luke's. Jesus, he says, what, is he, what, what does it say next? He taught with authority. They were astounded at his teaching because he had authority, not like the scribes. That's kind of like, you know, I have three daughters. And uh, whenever I was left alone with my kids when they were little, it was like, you know, somewhat of a jailbreak. <laughs> you can probably picture this, right? And the three kids, uh, like, we're trying to make dinner and everything's crazy. And I'm like... Everybody, everybody, help me with this. Come on, Kelly, stop that. Jenny, come over here. Mariana, what are you doing? When my wife walks in the door, she can say in this tone of voice, what's going on in here? And everything stops. <laughs> Why is that? Because Lori taught with authority, not like the scribes. There was a power to it, Yes. The scribes, they would teach like this. It is taught that, it is said that, da-da-da-da. Jesus just said, love your neighbor. You see the difference? People don't need philosophy. They need Jesus. You don't have yourself to offer. You have Jesus to offer. The Word made flesh, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come, the author and the finisher of our faith. That is who this mission field needs. Not our own ideas, but the very Word of Jesus Christ. Have you heard people say, I've heard Episcopalians say this all over the country. They'll come and ask me, and they go, uh, Father Mike, uh, why are the Bible churches doing so good and we're not? 
And any time it's phrased like that, it hurts my heart. Friends, is St. Luke's a Bible church? Is this microphone on? Check, one, two. Is St. Luke's a Bible church? Yes, it is. This is a Bible church. You elevate the place of the Word of God in this place. Listen, go to Sunday school class. Pay attention to the sermon. Make notes. If you bring your energy to the Word preached and taught, it will change this place. Next, deed. That's the word, deed. What happens next? Jesus is teaching and He's interrupted, right? He casts out a demon. Now, there was a really big belief in demons back then in Jesus' day. Uh, Was it because there were more demons rolling around than now? Probably not. We could make an argument there's probably a little bit more demons rolling around than back then. But what the difference was is that people had a stronger sense of evil, and people had a stronger sense of being possessed by evil. Demons, the word in the Greek there is mazakin, means one who does harm. Do we have forces that seek to do us harm out there? Yes, we do. And they believe that, that these demons work through serpents and donkeys. And here's something that you ought to be really afraid of because you're Orlandoans. They thought demons really work through mosquitoes. I agree. So whatever you think about this, perhaps we could agree that we could all use a better understanding of being possessed by a power that is greater than ourselves. Have you felt this before? This is why the demons cried out whenever they were in Jesus' presence, have mercy on us. And such a man interrupts Jesus in our passage here. Do you see that? What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Has you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What's got a hold of you this morning that's stronger than your power to be free from it? If you yourself or you know someone that you love that is in recovery from addiction, don't you have tremendous respect for them? What's the first thing they say? Acknowledge your higher power. Know that you don't have the strength in yourself to overcome it. And you have something in your life, and I know I have things in my life, right? Guilt, fear, depression, anxiety, addictions. These things come, these demons come, and they grab a hold of us. But here's the good news this morning. These demons, like the man in this passage, know, hear me, that none of it is any match for our Lord Jesus Christ. When you bring your thing that's stronger than you into the presence of Jesus, that thing in you will know it. It's important for us to believe this, yes, that Jesus is stronger than anything that comes to bind us. And in verse 25 here, Jesus says what to it? Shut up. No, that's the MIV, the Mickey International Version, that says, no, be silent and come out of him. Our demons, these things, they like to talk to us, don't they? They talk to us. And what do they say? They say things like this. You'll never make it. You're not strong enough, they say. I was so moved at the convention Eucharist at the end of it when uh, Bishop Brewer, before he gave the, the benediction, said something like this to the, to the congregation, uh, all the delegates. He said, you are worthy to be in the presence of God. Do you believe that? 
that right here in this place you are worthy to be in God's presence. So many of us don't believe that. Why? Because the demons come and talk to us and tell us that we're not. But you bring yourself just as you are into the presence of Jesus, and he'll touch you. Am I making sense up here? Say yes. Friends, listen. Orlando needs the word. But listen, Orlando also needs deeds. This is a very unique and incredible mission field that you have here, friends. I've read something about your outreach and ministry to the homeless. That's fantastic. But I'm also wondering what other demons do you as a congregation need to link your arms together and say, we're going to take this on? Because listen to me, it's easy, isn't it, to make your church about the word only and not about deeds. We can say, let's just huddle up amongst ourselves and learn. There's a giant difference, friends, between a church with like a growing list of intramural activities internal to yourself versus a church that knows and exists not for itself, but to be a word-teaching, demon-chasing force for Jesus in the city of Orlando. St. Luke's, could you be that? Good. Twelve of you think you could be that. That's all Jesus had. St. Luke's, could you be a word-teaching, demon-chasing force for Jesus in the city of Orlando? Good. Now we're up to about 75. I'm glad and happy. I think it's, I think it's wonderful that finally Father Mickey gets to preach at the cathedral in Orlando. This makes me happy. Uh, if you take a look at my ears, my ears have been this size since I was six years old, right? And with ears this big and a last name of Mickey, you can imagine the burden that this has been my life. So rather than fight the Mickeyness, I've embraced the Mickeyness. Uh, uh, um, so Disney has been a big part of my life. It's through the thing, but. You can see I got my Disney, I got my Mickey Mouse socks I'm wearing just for this occasion. Uh, I remember when my kids were little, we would all watch every Disney movie as it came out. And remember the live action 101 Dalmatians movie that came out? It was when my kids were little. And Glenn Close played Cruella DeVille. She was great at it. But whenever Cruella DeVille came on the screen, my oldest daughter, Kelly, she was little back then, would come and sit up in my lap and kind of snuggle to me because she was afraid of Corella DeVille. It just like kind of freaked her out a little bit. And so the day came when we made our first ever trip to Disney. We're in the Magic Kingdom. And, you know, this is where you got to just put aside any financial responsibility <laughs> at all. So I bought my kids, you know, a $7 pen and a $15 autograph book, and we were in the character lines. You know what I'm talking about? And so there she is, Corella DeVille, giving out autographs. And Kelly, in a, in, a, in a moment of remarkable bravery and courage, it really was a thing for her, said she wanted to go talk to Corella DeVille and get her autograph. And I thought this was great. So there she is. She gets to the front. And there she is talking to Corella, and I'm watching this, right? She hands Corella the pen, the $7 pen. And guess what? The pen doesn't work. 
I know. Corella DeVille, that the pen Kelly gave her doesn't work. And you know what Corella DeVille does? She takes the autograph, she starts writing, it doesn't work, and she goes, this will never do. In perfect character, she takes my daughter by the hand, walks to the nearest little cart out there, demands a brand new pen from the man, brings it back, and signs her autograph in the book and gives Kelly the new pen. And from that day to this, my daughter's been a Cruella DeVille fan forever. <laughs> Listen to me. Your mission field outside these doors thinks that you are Cruella DeVille. They're intimidated by you. They think if they come in here, you're going to judge them. They think you have nothing nice to say to them, only harsh things to say to them. A lot of them have been damaged by the church or the message of the church up in their lives. And your job is to be like that precious lady was in the magic kingdom that cared for my daughter. When they come, prove them wrong by word and deed. Better than that, don't wait for them to come. You go to them with grace and mercy, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Prove them wrong. B group, lift up the strong name of Jesus in word and in deed. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.